Welcome to the Bureau Briefing, a podcast by the Bureau of Digital, an organization devoted to giving digital professionals the support system they never had. Each episode, we're going to talk to a member of our community doing awesome, inspiring things. Now for your host, Carl Smith. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to a very special Bureau Briefing. With me today, I have got Jen Derry. Uh, Jen is a friend, somebody I met in 2012 at the very first ever Bureau thing, which was called Shop Talk and later changed Owner Camp. Jen and I became really good friends, and uh, not too long ago, uh, Jen came up against a challenge I don't think any of us ever expect, and I cannot be more excited to welcome somebody to the show than I am right here today to welcome Jen Derry. Jen, how are you? Hello, Carl and everyone. Um, I'm I'm pretty good. That intro kind of put me a little with some tears here. But um, <laughs> so way to go, way to intro me and already have me bawling. Um, well, probably the most obvious statement first is that I'm alive. And I'm around <laughs> and uh, that I'm here and I'm, I'm good. I think physically things are really good. Um, I, I see my surgeon. Actually, maybe I should freaking talk about what, what is going on. Um, I, I, on April 8th, um, I had a MRI of my head just because I was having a lot of headaches. And the long story short is that they thought, Probably these are tension headaches. You're a lady with two young boys and you run a business and you're probably just stressed. Um, And I went in for that MRI and they found a brain tumor. And it's something called a meningioma, which luckily most of the time is benign and mine was benign. And it's um, a brain tumor that is in the lining of your brain in the outside part, I think. Uh, I mean, I know it's in the outside part. I think that means in the lining. Uh, hilariously, any member of my family could tell you more about what the hell happened in my head than me <laughs> because I Googled nothing. I did not want to know anything that was going to happen with my head. But um, anyway, it, it's a brain tumor that was behind my left eye, uh, five centimeters by four centimeters by four centimeters. So about the size of a lime. And they think it's been there for a number of years, um, maybe since birth. They, they're not sure. And, um, so I had brain surgery on April 25th and so we're about, uh, four and a half weeks out. So that's a really long answer to your question, but I'm okay. I'm here. (laughs) Well, I'm so glad. I mean, so glad. And so, so to back it up for you, um, and obviously you, you've connected with a lot of people. You've touched so many people. I, I was at a few events and everyone came up to me asking me how you were. And we had texted a little bit and I just assured everybody that you were fine. But it's one of these things. You were loved. I mean, you were amazingly loved uh, throughout this community. And the crazy thing for me was I was just scrolling through Facebook, Right. And I just saw you say something and I saw a black and white photo and I kept going. I thought you were pregnant again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was like, well, here we go. And yeah. then it was the next morning, uh, Richard Banfield shot me a note and said, we should do something for Jen. 
Mm. And I was like, oh, well, that's nice. We could get like a onesie or something. I don't know if they make onesies for tumors. <laughs> Maybe not. Uh, but but it was it was one of those things once I realized, uh, you know, so many things just, just came back. And, you know, obviously this is a show about the business of running companies and all of that sort of stuff. But yeah. we become friends and, and we meet so many people as we go through this journey. I, I really, and it's totally up to you, but I want this mm-hmm. to be an opportunity for you to kind of share with everyone. Because like I said, you've touched so many people. Just what was it like? I mean, so so you yeah. find out and... <laughs> I doubt, and no offense, I doubt you care so much about Plucky as you're thinking I'd really like to live. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, there's, God, I don't know how articulate I'm going to be in this conversation, honestly, Carl, because the truth is, unlike the entire rest of my life, I haven't talked about this with anyone. So the rest of my life is as everyone's, right? There's sort of like these tape reels that somebody asks you how your kids are, you make a couple jokes about teething, and then you move on, right? And this is really honestly the first time in my life where there has been something so large to talk about, but I haven't, I mean, I've seen probably, I don't know, five or six friends at this point in person, and maybe one or two of them got the full download at a certain point, but other than family who has kind of just been with it on a daily basis, you know, getting updates, I haven't really downloaded this fully. So anyway, I might be kind of a mess here, but, um, that phone call from the neurologist, you know, hilariously, Carl, the MRI happened at seven 30 on a Friday morning and my, my sister drove me home and I had a 9 a.m. call. I mean, I had a 9, I had a 9.30, I had a 10, I had a 10.30. I had my, you know, classic Friday for me. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I have a lot of calls. And, um, and they had initially said, all right, so we'll let you know within a couple days, like what the results are. And then as I was checking out that morning, they said, okay, so we'll let you know within an hour, which obviously they must have seen it. Um, but you know, I was like, Oh, all right. guess you guys don't have a lot going on today. And my sister and I stopped and got a coffee and then she dropped me off at home. And I called my mom who is an oncology nurse. Uh, cause she obviously was like, how's my daughter doing after this weird MRI? And I was just filling her in. It was like quarter to nine. I said, I, I don't have a lot of time, mom, just want to fill you in. And then I was getting a call suddenly, like 10 minutes after I got home and it was the neurologist. And I said, Oh, hold up. Like, this neurologist is calling me. Let me call you back. And for my mom to hear that, that was very scary. For me, I just thought they were efficient. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You know, um, and it, I mean, that's probably the first moment that you just feel like your life is a weird movie. Um, and this guy's like, Hey, uh, so we found something and I, I obviously, I really don't remember much of this phone call. I have a lot of post-its that I was writing on as he's like random words that he was saying, like benign and um, meningioma and like brain tumor. I remember as I was on the phone with him, I obviously couldn't use my phone to text because I was talking with him, but I sent a quick email to my husband who had, um, who works in San Francisco. And I said, you need to get in an Uber and come home. And then, um, I, I said, I remember saying to this neurologist at the end, 
what's your advice here? <laughs> like, what is this going to be like? And he said something like, it's going to be a long road with many stops um, along the way. And I was like, okay. So I hang up the phone. I text my husband the same message, and he got that right away. I texted my sister. I said the same thing. I said, come over. And it's like a joke, Carl. It's like someone just told you you have a brain tumor. It's like this is the last thing I have ever worried about in my life. So you have no plan B. You have no plan A. You have nothing. Um, you know, and and I, I call my mom back, and, you know, she's – used to thinking about people with, um, oh gosh, GMT, GBT, GBT, something brain tumor, the, the cancerous kind. Cause she's in oncology. Anyway, she was just like praying that I was not going to say that I had a GBT, but, um, I said, no, I haven't been in geoma. And she was just like, okay, that is fine. That is going to be fine. <laughs> like from the second one, she was very positive. So when she says that, how did you feel knowing that she had experience? Well, I started laughing and I said, does this mean that we have to start doing brain tumor walkathons now? Like I, I was making jokes because this is the thing. You've just heard something insane, but you are not in it yet. You are still your old self and you can't believe it. And I was just like, huh? Like, is this, you know, it's Friday morning. And then of course I had to email my clients for the day and just subject line emergency and say, uh, I can't explain it right now, but I'm not going to make the 9 a.m. or like any of the other calls that day. And so this is what I mean. This whole experience has been a mix between this hugeness of something like you're about to have your head cut open and the granularity of canceling a meeting. Do you know what I mean? And like, I don't know, connecting those two. Um, Yeah. And you've got, I mean, let's talk about it, right? Yeah. Difficult conversations. I mean, this is a banner that you wave. You you are great yeah. at having difficult conversations. And your job is to, I mean, this is the way I see it. You yeah. help people get real about yeah. working with people. And so, you know, you say it all the time. I'm a people person. I'm a people person. You are. You're a people mm-hmm. person. Well, now you have this amazing, horrible thing happen, which yeah. has to make you want to retreat a little. And you've got to tell people, I can't talk with you right now. But you've also, there's got to be some level of honesty based on who you are. So so did you struggle with what you put in this email to say, I can't chat with you right now? Or was it much more of a, uh, that doesn't matter, I've just got to shut it down? I think, to be honest, I mean, the clock was ticking and it was almost nine. So I didn't have any sense of self-reflection about what I wanted to put in that email. The closer match for me is the blog post I wrote, which um, was, let's see, this was all Friday. And the rough the rough sketch of Friday was that... Um, we went to a neurosurgeon right away who happened to be in Berkeley, who we just said, we'll come right now. So the three of us went, he was, he had an hour till he was scrubbing into surgery. We talked to him. That was the first time I cried, uh, because I thought about my boys in that conversation with him. And then we left and came home 
And we got the white, I've said, get the whiteboard, let's do this. Like we need to Im- immediately start calling the people that we know who are in the medical field to find out who we need to see. And we started this big list and like 12 times over, we got referred to the same surgeon here at UCSF. So um, that got that thing starting. And then Saturday morning, we went to Ikea. Like, I mean, I don't know <laughs> <laughs> it was like there are things we have needed for the boys' rooms. Oh we man! Didn't know what to do. We went to IKEA and bought a couple shelving units, and then Saturday night, after because you know I've got a ten-month-old and a three-year-old, that shit takes energy. So the whole day was with them, and then that night Aww. I sat on the couch next to Chris and I wrote this blog post, which was really hard because, like you said much, much of my work is about the other person. And it's about whether it's the person I'm coaching, the group of people I'm with. There's, of course, I share a lot of who I am, but not a lot of details about who I am, because frankly, you're not paying me to hear about my life. You know, we're we're working on you. Right. Um, And so there's like a, a certain shyness about suddenly drawing attention to myself, particularly with spaces like Twitter or Facebook, because so quickly they flame up and there's all these likes and you're like, kind of feel embarrassed, you know, like, oh gosh. Um, and anyway, so I wrote this, the blog post where I announced it and I don't know. I mean, the truth is, I think we were in such a cloud that I, I struggled to write it, but I wasn't I didn't have a lot of like pre-thought or pre-intention about how do I want this message to go? You know what I mean? I wasn't, I wasn't really clicked into that. And to add to the story, as of Friday, I started get, I started some medications to stop the swelling of the brain tumor. Okay. And so from Friday on, I just became less and less like coherent. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know how else to say everybody, all my family who arrived in town were like, who is this person? Cause oh. I was so unlike myself and it was steroids and I don't know, something else. I was so tired all the time and all that kind of stuff. So I'm glad that I wrote that as early as I did, because as the time went on two weeks between, um, diagnosis and surgery, I just was, I mean, there are literally texts that I see between me and someone else now that I have no memory of Ugh. all the blog posts I wrote before the surgery, not much memory of it's. And I don't know whether to chalk that up to literally I was on drugs or, um, also, <laughs> you know, it was kind of a huge mind fuck. Well, and so you do, right. You've got a 10 month old and a three year old, right? Yeah. And, and then Chris and, uh, you know, first of all, Chris's job was super yeah. awesome. I, I know yep. that they gave him, you know, unlimited time off with pay. Yep. And yep. Uh, how, so, so he's there to support. Yeah. But how do you talk to the boys? Like, did you talk to the boys or like, like, well, I, I just wonder what I would do with my girls and they're older, obviously, but right. I, I, everything that was happening to you, I was trying to figure out what I would do in your place. And I don't know if that's a normal human reaction to just mirror, but, um, what did you do? So with, so, mm, with Aaron, who's the little guy, the 10 month old, um, I was still nursing him. And for him, it was a physical thing that needed to happen. Basically within a couple days of me taking the medicine, it wasn't safe for him to keep nursing. So I had to to wean him right away. Um, and 
uh, I know this is not going to be your wheelhouse here, but any woman who has breastfed who's listening is going to know that weaning can happen simply. It just takes a long time. Well, I didn't have a long time. Or it takes not a long time, but maybe a couple of weeks, right, to like gracefully do it. I had a couple, I don't know, maybe a week at tops because what I didn't want to happen was to go into surgery and then be like, oh, no, now we've got like clogs and her boobs. And now, you know what I mean? Like I don't need mastitis during freaking brain surgery. So anyway, that the deal with Aaron was not not a you know conversation with him, but I had to wean him and then... So now he's on formula and he just wasn't around me as much as he normally was. And that was really heartbreaking for me. Everybody was trying their best. This is where Chris really came in so helpful because he became the new mom kind of, you know. Um, and I think his relationship is is really a lot closer with Aaron now. Um, and that has been hard for me to have weaned so quickly and been away from Aaron, but now I've kind of regained enough time and minutes spent with him that I think we're back on track. Um, with Noah, he, so he's about three and a half. He's a really sensitive guy. He notices a lot. And so what, um, what we did, I mean, he noticed that I was resting a lot more in the bedroom with the door closed and he couldn't talk to me and that kind of thing. And we just, we told him that something funny was going to happen, that mommy was going to get a haircut just like him. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. And yeah, well, the truth is my surgeon doesn't normally shave your head, but I was like, listen, the last time in my life I want a mullet is now. So chop this all off. And also, <laughs> I'm like, I'm never doing this again. So let's do something a little bit crazy and just shave my head. Let's do it. So I also, I told him I had a three-year-old and I wanted to match his hairdo. So I think that might've touched his heart a little. Oh. Um, yeah. But so anyway, we told Noah that I was going to have matching haircut and that mommy was going to um, go see a doctor and, but I didn't know Carl, like what physical differences were going to happen. And so, and like I said, I really didn't Google much. So we more focused on the mommy's going to get a checkup and the doctor's going to make sure I'm healthy and that sort of stuff. And I'm going to be in a hospital, but also like Nana's coming to visit and uncle Steve is coming and you know, that kind of stuff with him, uh, his daycare, I really, you know, I'm so grateful to them, but they immediately started a unit with his preschool class on doctors and hospitals and all the kids got to be doctors for a day. And, you know, they, they they learned about bones and that kind of stuff. And that was explicitly because of our family. And it's amazing. It's amazingly supportive. Yeah. And so he would come home and have a picture of himself in a little lab coat and it says Dr. Dairy on it. I know it's so cute. (laughs) Dr. Dairy. Yeah, it's it's good. But, you know, the the second half of this is when I did come home from the hospital. I was very anxious because so the tumor was behind my left eye and my left eye was completely swollen shut. My right eye was starting to get swollen too. It was starting to move over. So my left eye is like totally purple. I look really rough. I have this huge scar. I have like no hair. And we talked about, should I wear a hat? Like, should I, like, how do you see your three-year-old and have him not scared of you, you know? And, um, I, we decided no hat, uh, and he came in, I was in my bed and, and I said, Hey buddy, I'm, you know, I'm back from the hospital. And then he said, why did they take all your hair? 
And I said, well, that silly doctor, you know, he, he did too much. He cut too much. Um, but soon I'm going to have your same haircut. And then he said, why, why is your eye closed? And I said, well, that's just something that happened, but it's going to get better and better. And, uh, then he kind of like left the room and my sister and brother came in and started talking to me normally. So I think that helped to normalize the situation. Like, yeah, this is mom. You know, he heard my voice and he came back a little later and, Honestly, every single morning he says to me, mom, your eye is opener. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And now it's, it's, it's almost back to normal, but that was, I wore an eye patch for a while. So we got him one. We were pirates. You You kind of roll with it. I can't imagine uh, just, you know, and, and, and take this, how strong you are that you were able to do that with him and not break down. Yeah. Um, Because such a little guy, you know, and I know. if you, if you hadn't been that strong, who knows how much impact that would have the rest of his life. So right. just, you know, good for you. <laughs> I don't know what I'm yeah. trying to say, except that <laughs> yeah. that's just so powerful that you were able to, to manage it and do it that way. And, uh, if I can say, I think one of the most challenging parts of my job and the fact that I'm a parent, is that I deal with adults who many times are trying to work through something that happened a long time ago, right? I'm not a therapist, so I I don't have clinical stuff here. But even if we're just talking about a pattern that used to happen, and maybe it was at school, or maybe it was like three years ago with your boss, and you're just working through the same pattern. And as a parent, I find it a little bit paralyzing to wonder, is this the shit that's going to send him to therapy? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like all the time, like, Oh, is this the thing? Uh, am I joking too much about peacocks? Like, is it, you know, like just random things that happen. And, um, but the truth is that I fully accept the fact that every human probably has something worth talking through with someone else. And, at some point, he's probably going to have something, whether that comes from me or his dad or our family or his first girlfriend or, you know, his first job, like all that kind of stuff. And that doesn't mean he's broken. It just means he's human. And <laughs> I try to accept that. Well, so my dad was a child psychologist for 40 years, right? And uh, I still remember the moment that he terrified me. And uh, it, the thing was, he never yelled. He never cussed. And then one day... We're out, we're uh, body surfing out at the ocean, which is where you body surf, by the way. You can try to body surf inland. Not, not that good. Not that good. And uh, he was coming right at me. Like he had caught a wave and I was up in the shoreline. I was probably 10 or 11. And uh, I was trying to get out of his way and I dove out of his way and my heel kicked him square in the forehead. Oh. And he gets up and he goes, God damn it, Carl. I had never heard him cuss before or raise his voice. And I just ran up up into the hotel and got under the bed. And I was just terrified. And I never forgot it. And now that he's in his late 80s, I tell him about it all the time, Jen. I tell him (laughs) this is what happened. Yeah, you probably need to talk it out. Here, we're doing this right now. Exactly, right? But it is one of those things. And so I, I think he really... I mean, you help somebody have a better life, not only your child, but just the way you handle it. And I mean, this is one of those things. I don't want to make this all about, you know, what a wonderful person you are and how great you are. But, you know, that stuff, you know, I mean, truth is truth. But but how how are you going about things now? So you've made it through. 
Um, you obviously there's more to do. Uh, I, I know you've probably got s- some rehabilitation stuff, and but but you also own a company. I mean, Plucky yeah, yeah. took off, and and it should have. I mean, the 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 service that you provide, everybody that I've talked to that's ever worked with you, nothing but huge praise. I mean, five stars on Yelp, if there was such a thing. So. How have you managed that while you're also getting yourself back together? Well, luckily, I basically love all of my clients. And I, they're like, I, I mean, I cannot tell you the embarrassing amount of flowers, gifts, cards, paper cranes, um, <laughs> chocolates, ice cream. Like, I can't even tell you. It's embarrassing. It's to the point where, like, there are definitely several packages a day for me. And Noah's always like, where's my package? And so sometimes he gets packages too, but you know, this is like probably going to be the scar that we work through for several years where it's not Christmas every day. Um, my clients are amazing. And so they have been very understanding of lack of communication for me other than, I mean, this is the other thing, the first weekend, right? So starting on that Saturday, the day after diagnosis, I had to make these very strange phone calls where I had to call each of my clients or people that I had proposals out to to say, hey, happy Saturday. Um, By the way, I have a brain tumor. So we got to hit pause on, you know, whatever my contract or it's not about the contract, but whatever I was doing for them. And did you say it that way? Did you say I have a brain tumor? Um, I don't even remember, but I mean, yeah, probably. I really hope you did. I just (laughs) think sometimes you just lay it out there. Update. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that was clearly one of the first two sentences and, you know, everybody was great and uh, a couple tears on the phone. Um, But no joke, Carl, between the time that I saw that neurosurgeon on Friday and I was being let out of the hospital, I didn't cry. I didn't cry from the 8th of April until the 29th. And the only reason I cried on the 29th is that my nurse practitioner and one of the surgeons that work with the main surgeon were there. And it was right before I was leaving. And I just said, thank you for saving my life. And I burst into tears because how do you say that to somebody? And also how acute, nobody has that acute moment. You know, it's really rare that you would get to say that to somebody in your life. And these doctors are so amazing. They work ridiculous hours and they, you know, do my, my surgeon sometimes does two brain surgeries a day. And those surgeries are so long. They don't get snacks, you know, like, I mean, as a person who thinks about work environments, I was just floored by these people and my nurses too. And I just wanted them to know that however hard this day has been for you, however tired you are on your feet, your work matters so much because I am alive. And that means a lot of things for a lot of people. And I'm not trying to be egoy here, but it means a lot for my boys. It means a lot for my husband, for my parents, my, my family. And then extend that to everybody I work with, you know, and hopefully will work with and am able to continue doing my work. And I think to answer what you were just talking about more specifically, the current state of plucky is obviously on pause because I do open myself up so much to that work. I'm going to need mentally to be really ready for it. Right. Um, but during this experience, 
I feel like we should be having a couple of beers while I open up here, but I have had so many visions of where this is going and big dreams. And if there is anything that should be my middle name, it's, you know, enrolls in too many projects, basically. And I've just seen where Plucky can go. And so my mission, although I do not have the energy to do most days anything about it, (laughs) is to get there and to have Plucky really change the face of you know, kind of be the 2-0 of human resources, um, because I think we can do a lot more. And I think that the grains of plucky and the kind things that people have said to you about me is more the fact that someone is listening, and we don't often have that. Well, and even when you were meeting with the surgeons and, and all of the people on yeah. their staff and the things that you shared through the blog and, and the different ways you were communicating – you were checking in on them. I mean, it was yeah. like you could tell when you were you you were doing little exercises to see everybody was. It was uh, it was amazing the the post it notes and the different things and the photos you would share, and it's just a testament again not not to make this the the gendary hour, but it's it was a testament to how even in that moment where you were, I cannot even come close to imagining how you were feeling, you were thinking about the other people around you. And and Jen, just, I don't know if you can even hear this, if you can take this in. That's special. (laughs) Nobody has that. Not at that moment where you're at, where where like everything is is about you and you're like reaching out to others. So, So just as somebody who is watching from the outside, thank you for inspiring me not to be so selfish when I, I often think I'm not, I realize that there's always more you can do to be selfless. Yeah. Well, the truth is, and I don't know if this is going to sound manipulative or crazy or just simple and graceful, but probably all of them, all probably (laughs) hashtag all of them. Um, that is how the world works. Like you don't get anything for free and you, the more you can open yourself and give things and the more you can understand where that person is coming from, the more will that that's, you sort of like, um, what do I want to say here? Grease the wheels for other things to come back to you. And so, um, you know, one of the like most crazy things about this whole experience has been the experience on Facebook. Because no joke, all these days leading up to the surgery, I would get these Facebook messages from like a dude I hadn't seen since third grade. Next one, somebody I worked with out of college. Next one, somebody I met at a conference once. It was like I couldn't sleep because every, imagine like every person that you ever met was messaging you and telling you something nice about yourself and you're just laying there thinking of all these people. And like, like, I think I wrote about this at some point, but it really was really like having your funeral without dying. And that is again, something that you don't get to do ever. And I never would have predicted that that would be a moment I would have, but this whole you know, last five weeks, six weeks has been constant support and praise and a friend who set up a fund for us, which is ridiculous how it went. And another friend locally who set up a meal train. So five days a week, we've had meals delivered by, by friends. I mean, 
you just are so humbled. And again, I will use the word shy to say that like, I couldn't, you know, you don't know what to do. Like right now I'm literally like covering my eyes with my hands because it's so much. And, and I think my husband too, we, we were both very strong and very independent and capable people. And we, we don't often need help. You know, we're, we're the ones that are help, helping. And, um, this has been a huge lesson in accepting help, accepting kindness and support without being able to give it back right away. And I'm really, really grateful to have learned that. Which, you know, I, I think I speak for everyone in the Bureau community and outside of the Bureau community. I, I know you've, you've touched a, a lot of people that, that I haven't met. Mm. We're just so glad that you're okay. And I'm so thankful that we were able to have the conversation today and that we can share it with everyone so they can hear your voice and hear your enthusiasm and know that you know what you know he cut your hair a little short and (laughs) so you know you're a pirate but but your spirit's alive and yeah i'm just so glad you were able to be here with us today so thanks for joining us Thank you so much, Carl. And hi, everybody. And I'm very excited to see you whenever. I'm not sure when it will be, but um, it will mean so much. So thank you for, for the support from everybody. It, it's, you know, made this whole thing possible, basically. <laughs> Jen, thank you. And everybody else, we'll talk to you next week. 